the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Happy, happy day to you. Um, we're going to talk some stock markets today for sure. And uh, try to do our very best at getting this figured out. Uh, we're closing in on middle of February. Um, what's that mean to you? means about a month's gone from the year, month and a half. Uh, so we're... You know, 10% of your 401k should be punched in already. Is it? Uh, good question. Something you're going to really want to check in on. Um, let's talk money, though. Let's talk stock market. Let's talk some of the top stories of the day. There's some, there's some out there for sure. Um, we're kind of at the end of earnings season. Earnings season comes every 90 days. Um, GM's big in the news today. They're kind of getting a little bit bullied, um, and it's a little disconcerting for a lot of people in the sense that a lot of the companies that are getting bullied right now by activist investors have female CEOs. Interesting. So, um, But GM's got a lot of cash, like a lot of cash, and that freaks out a lot of people because they say they don't need that much cash. So why don't, not give it back to shareholders or bigger buybacks and things along those lines? Always going to be a big question. So talking about um, the markets, yesterday was kind of a banner day. Apple, I own shares of Apple, it closed at over $700 billion. And the S&P 500 reached a new closing high. It's nice. Uh, very strong day for stocks. Today, the Greece... Situations in the headlines again. A little bit of jitteriness out of Europe on that. Finance ministers meeting today are discussing the Greek debt situation and reform proposals. Um, Germany saying, "Look, you have a term on, you have a, a deal on the table. Take it or leave it. We're not renegotiating." Um, yesterday we had the Greek issue. Market rally today. We have the Greek issue. Markets not in so much of a rally mode. Apple's relative strength helped from a sentiment standpoint. Then there's some offsetting, you know, additions. Uh, 
that have to be considered. Yesterday, the defense-oriented utility sector was up. Biggest gain of the day. Uh, today, better than expected earnings out of PepsiCo. PepsiCo food and beverage business. And they're not really competing with Coca-Cola on price at this point in time. They're competing with product innovation. Um, and they're doing a pretty good job of it. Mondelay, AOL, Akamai, Time Warner, all beat earnings expectations. Um, AOL was kind of weak, though. The way they beat earnings expectations tied towards tax break and not really revenue. Um, so we look at that and we, you know, we're honest about it, right? So the latest NBA mortgage application index report didn't help matters much. It showed a 9% decline in the index for the week ending February 6th paced by a 10% decline in the refinancing index and a 7% drop in the purchase index. Uh, rates are low. Although the 10-year made a bit of a move this week. Um, back to that 2% area after getting down to 1.8, 1.7, which I find to be probably not good. Uh, so 10 years back to 2% exactly at this point in time. Um, Tesla CEO is starting firings after dismal China sales. Tesla CEO Elon Musk is prepared to fire overseas executives um, after Chinese sales companies' luxury electric cars cast doubt on its ambitious global expansion plans. So not everything Elon Musk turns to gold. A lot does. Um, Apple, $710 billion in counting. On uh, the day that Apple became the first U.S. company to close with the valuation of $700 billion, CEO Tim Cook said Apple has succeeded in part by its ability to sell pricey products to Chinese consumers, whereas Elon Musk didn't. Um, it's going to be fun watching it, uh, Apple, because the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And when will they fall? No one knows. So, um, PepsiCo. Uh, they're Frito-Lay, they're Doritos. If you ever go into a grocery store, um, take a look at, you know, who owns what. Pepsi owns a lot of the space that in a, in a grocery store. Um, they've had an issue with an activist shareholder. So just some people see them as having some more uh, value and should be able to go higher. Both beverage and snack volumes grew 2%. Pepsi's carbonated soft drink volume in the key North America fell 2%, while non-carbonated volumes grew by 4%. Frito-Lay revenue grew about 3%. So, uh, pretty good numbers out of Pepsi. Pretty good numbers out of Pepsi. Other big stories out there to note today. Um, oil. Oil prices have slipped back below $50 a barrel. So setting the stage for perhaps for some early weakness in the energy sector. Um, potential for the stock market, you know, on a day-by-day -day basis, are we going to close higher or lower? It's really tough to figure that out. Um, one of my favorite charts on Wall Street is a year-over-year -year chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30 or the S&P 500. And what you notice is, like, on a day-to-day, -day, a week-to-week, uh, it's volatile. It looks like you're in surgery and, you know, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. Uh, but then you, you know, step back to month over month and year over year, and it just starts in the lower left-hand corner and it goes 
the upper right hand corner. It's beautiful. I mean, that's you want growth and you get it over time. That's one thing that I'm encouraged about and hopefully uh, others share my encouragement. Um, oil drilling slows as crude prices have dropped. The U.S. oil boom is slowing down as drillers cut back in response to lower crude prices. Uh, I think that was kind of expected. John Stewart's leaving The Daily Show. He's going to retire from Comedy Central. It's Daily Show after a 16-year run that helped reshape late-night TV. Um, bad day for news. That's a bad day for news because uh, his skewering of stories is... We should have more of that. It's 130% true. The fact that he went after Jim Cramer as, as, as solid as he did for you know, Bear Stearns and you know, the Wall Street implosion, that helped America. Um, and honestly, I, I think Cramer came out of it a better person. So I think it helped Cramer as well. Uh, it it kind of took away... I'm on the banking side, and it put him more on the real people side of the issue. Heineken sweetens its dividend. The world's third largest brewer has raised its dividend by 24% after profit rose 11% last year, helped by robust sales of higher margin premium beers. I've probably contributed to that. Uh, Heineken, you know, you can invest in beer. You can invest in cigarettes, Altria, or Philip Morris. Um, there's a strip club called Rick's Cabaret that you can invest in. There's a lot of things you can invest in on Wall Street. One of the things I like to invest in is Disney, because Disney's going to have a monster year next year. And they seem to, they're not taking challenges on uh, new ideas. They're just going after big event pictures now. So no new stories per se, just rehashing a lot of the same, old. Anyway, you can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. We call 800-516-1220. Welcome in, Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. On occasion, things don't work out in the world of corporate America. We hear about the press releases when they happen, but then we kind of let the story fade. Target's ending its online movie rental service. Who even knew that you could rent movies online with Target? They're pulling the plug on their online video rental service uh, called Target Ticket. Indian Adventure, the discounter had launched as it worked to keep up with Amazon.com in their prime service. The service is going to shut down by March 7th. Rented movies and TV shows have to be watched by that date. Videos that customers have bought will continue to be accessible under a deal with CinemaNow. Movecom's as CEO of Target is refocusing the company around other offerings like housewares, baby products, and fashion. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talk a little women in investing, the fairer sex. They say man created the world, but women refined it. Couldn't agree with that broad phrase 
more if I tried. Women are the best things in life. But women face financial decisions that men necessarily don't. They have to approach marriage differently than a man does. The birth of a child. Let's talk birth of a child and what it does to a woman because clearly they leave the workforce for a little while, changes their social security structure, adds a financial burden, adds a tax benefit. Yay! Is the tax benefit worth having a kid, Chad? <laughs> no. You know, in fact, in, in some of the new tax laws in terms of who ends up paying the Medicare surcharge tax or the Obamacare 3.8% um, or the new capital gains rates, uh, f- when you're single, that kicks in at 400000 Right. Uh, or 200000 on the 3.8% for the Obamacare tax. Uh, for the 20% capital gains and dividend tax, that kicks in at 400000 single. But when you're married, it's four, it's 250 and 450 So it's actually a bit of a marriage penalty again to be married, especially if you're in a high-income earning situation. So basically the Obamacare taxes or the, the new tax laws that were passed assume that um, only one person was working <laughs> when when you get married and if you're a high income earner. So a little bit unfair. A tax credit for a child, about $1,000 per year. Well, and certain things get phased out too, Rob, for high income earners. So, Well, yeah, you and your high income earners. So. <laughs> you and your high income um, There are some tax benefits for children. You have two tax advantage options. FSAs, you're able to save money for health care savings, child care deductions. It's just, it's just not worth having children, though. Tax benefits aren't that groovy. No, you don't look at there's, unless, there's, unless you're a really you're not going to save money by having kids. Let the inner Republican come out, Chad. Unless you're a poor person in the inner city, having more <laughs> children is a good idea. Is that your inside inner Republican voice? Um, it's tied towards welfare. Okay, and you know commentary on welfare. Uh, it is strange that you know some people believe having more children equals more tax deductions and government uh, subsidies, which is shocking and sad because that child doesn't get what he deserves. So anyhow, um, women and money, we're talking about having children and the tax credits are really not worth it, but they're out there for you. Uh, death of a spouse. I think that's an interesting one to talk about with women. Uh, my mom's outlived my dad by 20 years. He had a life insurance policy on her. He didn't have one on himself. He let his expire. Like death, of, he screwed her. He, he thought he was going to outlive her. Because she was, she's heavier than him, and cancer got him. Yeah, so, death of a spouse, big financial issue. Well, it is because you know, especially if you have a, two social security checks. Because even if one spouse didn't work, you have one social security check, and the the spouse gets somewhere between you know thirty five and fifty percent of the so the smaller check goes away, the larger check stays. So that's not that's a that for a lot of the American population now where they get 50 to 60% of their income or more from Social Security, that's a huge decline in income. That means that, okay, they're going to probably have to go do a reverse mortgage. They're going to have to move. They're going to have to possibly live with their kids, something else like that. So, uh, yeah, people are retiring too young these days, Rob. And that's, that's, that's why we see our youth unemployment uh, rate continuing to rise because people are having to work longer. They didn't save enough. They didn't think about their future. They spent. They became consumers rather than savers. How about estate planning consequences with death of a spouse? Things like step-up and basis. Is there anything we need to know? Um, well, the, it, California, which is a community property state, um, what's nice is that if you own assets you know, the right way, um, everything gets a step-up in basis on the first spouse's death. So that means that rental property that you paid 100000 for that's worth $800,000 now, 
you could essentially sell it tax-free. Um, the depreciation you'd have to recapture if we want to get technical about it. But but th- when there is a death of a spouse, at least there's a reduction in having to have taxes be a major decision with your taxable assets, your real estate, things like that. So that can come all into play because a lot of times when there's a death of a spouse, if there's a loss of a pension, a loss of a Social Security check, sometimes it means a reduction in standard of living. So you might have to sell that large home and downsize. Anything else that we need to know about with this topic? Um, well, when you do have somebody that is, you know, passing or, you know, terminal or somebody has passed, then, yeah, the, the delivery trust should be redone. Uh, and again, this change. is an issue that I think it's a women-centric issue because men tend to marry a little bit younger and women tend to outlive men. So uh, my mom's been in retirement without a spouse for 20 years. It's a long time to make her own financial planning decisions. Anyhow, and anyway, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Powerball. You buy a Powerball ticket? Tonight it's going to be $485 million to the winner. Or winners. And do we hit the billion-dollar jackpot in our lifetime? Some people think so. So $2 ticket tonight, 43 states. A lot of uh, winners of lottery end up in debt, or they go broke because they mismanage their newfound riches. If you buy real estate, you're not done. You still have to maintain that real estate, and you have to pay taxes on that real estate. Um, you know, I, if I were to win, what would I do? I had a friend that uh, he would play the lottery when he got super big. And he said, I know I'm going to lose because, you know, mathematically you are. Um, and then you just get angry because your mathematics are like, well, if some toothless person in Georgia could win every year, then I might be able to. Um, he said that he would play just so he can dream all day long about great things that he would do. Like visiting a car dealer or a travel agent. Um, whereas I, if I were to hit the lottery, I would visit a financial planner, knowing that a lot of people do end up going broke who played football, a lot of people who end up going broke who won the lottery, all for the same reasons, mismanagement of extreme wealth that comes super fast. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 
Let's think. PepsiCo, also known as Pepsi. Earnings and revenue declined on foreign exchange impact, but they had a really good quarter. Pepsi said it plans to spend eight and a half to nine billion dollars in stock buybacks. Some guys like blondes. I like buybacks. And I like dividends. Pepsi last month called a truce with activist shareholder Try and Fund Management, agreeing to add former H.J. Hines chairman uh, to the, who is an advisory partner to Try on, to its board. So there's people who are smelling Pepsi and saying, you know what, we think there's more value in this than what's being reflected. So Pepsi up today. Let's see, it's 52-week highs, $100.70. It's right at $100.26. So it's near its all-time high. I like Pepsi. It's boring, but it's also kind of great boring. I'm okay with boring. In 1980, it was a $1.30 stock. And then in 1985... It was three dollars and thirty-one cents, and then in 1990, it was a nineteen-dollar stock, and then 1995, it became a twenty-four-dollar stock. In 2000, Pepsi was a thirty-two-dollar stock. In 2005, it was a sixty-dollar stock. In 2014, it's a $100 stock. So every five-year period, the stock's moved higher. Is that a good thing? Oh, yeah. So if you were 20 years old and you bought shares of Pepsi back in 1980, 35 years later, you're 55, and every, every five-year period, it's gone higher. Not every single year, but every five-year period. That's amazing. That's why you want to own stocks. That's why you want to own a name like a Pepsi. Uh, Do I think... Here's another company. Starbucks. Great company. Not as big or as tenured as Pepsi. They... Okay, which food company do I need? I can own both. (laughs) They're pretty dominant. Pepsi, for their part, has done a really nice job also of innovating. And when I say innovating, they've come up with things like orange juice that's new. And you're saying, how is that? They've got something called uh, Chop 50. I think that's what it's called. And it's 50% water, 50% juice. Mom's got to the point where they looked at orange juice and said, I'm giving my kids too much sugar. And uh, my dentist gave me a good piece of advice. He said, always brush your teeth after you have juice. I'm like, okay, fair, fair, fair. Um, Didn't think about that, but good. So they've come up with ways to uh, have a new product. They're innovating product. So when you think of Pepsi, you're, you're probably like, I don't like soda. Mountain Dew is pretty dominant with people uh, 18 to you know 30. Um, it's considered kind of an alternative per se. 
Pepsi sells Tropicana orange juice. They sell Gatorade sports drinks, Sobe tea, Aquafina water. They're a water company too, right? They are the number one snack maker in America. Uh, I would probably, <laughs> this is horrible of me to say, but I would imagine Pepsi's products probably kill more Americans than the cigarettes because of the weight gain tied towards Lay's and Ruffles and Doritos and Cheetos. Cheetos. The Quaker Foods Unit makes breakfast cereals like Life Quaker Oatmeal, Rice Roni, Near East Side Dishes. Pepsi products are available in 200 plus countries. The U.S. generates 50% of sales, so it's big. It's pretty dominant. Now, they're also at the point where anyone who comes along with something they could buy. So, am I saying buy Pepsi? I'm not. I'm saying consider it. Because look at the history. Uh, so, you're either with me or against me. Here's a great story out today, and we knew this was going to happen. President Barack Obama has criticized Staples for reportedly threatening to fire employees if they work more than 25 hours. Part of his health care initiative was, you know, uh, people have to, companies have to step up. President Barack Obama said shame on them after being asked about reports that Staples is banning part-time workers from putting in more than 25 hours a week in order to dodge paying benefits under Obamacare. That's not even funny. Obama said that Staples should be more than able to afford to provide affordable health care for its workers. He says, I haven't looked at the stock, I haven't looked at the compensation of their CEO, but I suspect that they could well afford to treat their workers favorably and give them some basic financial security. If they can't, then they should be willing to allow those workers to get the Affordable Care Act without cutting wages. Um, you knew that some companies would start managing hours as the mandates become put in place for who gets and who doesn't get health care automatically. Staples reportedly told part-time employees they could be fired for working more than 25 hours a week. The company implemented the policy to avoid paying the benefits. The health care law basically mandates that employees who work more than 30 hours a week receive health care. Staples could be fined $3,000 per employee if it does not comply with the law. Um, all I can tell you is that's kind of expected. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, Tim Cook yesterday um, got to talk at a Goldman Sachs conference. And $18 billion in income in the last quarter. $74.6 billion in revenue. $74.5 million iPhones sold. Um, Cook coolly dissected just about every major argument against Apple. He said people that think Apple will bump into the law of large numbers, which means Apple will struggle to beat its gigantic numbers. He said, we don't believe in such laws as laws of large numbers. Uh, this is an old dogma. I think that was cooked up by somebody, and Steve did a lot of things for us for many years. But one of the things he ingrained in us is that putting limits on yourself are never a good way of thinking. Um... It is interesting to note, this company is worth $710 billion. So for them to get to, uh, for their stock to double at this point in time, it'd have to become worth $1.4 trillion. And that's, the, that's how much it would cost if you wanted to buy the whole company. And with that, you'd buy in future earnings, you'd be buying future product. Uh, it is going to be tougher for them to grow. Um, but... 
they're dominated at what they're doing. It's a luxury product that they sell. It's not a phone. A lot of people think it's a phone. It's a luxury product that's kind of a status symbol. Um, Tim Cook talked about two markets where he thinks Apple has potential to sell many more iPhones. First, China. Apple's already doing well in China, but Cook thinks there's opportunity to do even more. Um, so China remains a giant opportunity for them. Uh, the next major market, he says, is India. But there are other countries where we haven't put as much energy, don't understand as well. But on the flip side of that, we have a huge, enormous opportunity. They're starting to make investments in India. We're growing rapidly, he says. Um, we think India could be significant in the future. Um, I find their product to be nice, a little overrated. It doesn't cure hemorrhoids or anything like that, which I would want it to do if I pay $600 for it, right? It's 130% true. But they make a product that has is made out of glass, <laughs> and people drop them, and they break, and they go out and get another one. Um, I find that all phones seem to get a little wonky after three years, um, which is something it's got a replacement cycle. And for them, a lot of their technology gets smaller, cheaper, faster, but they're not making them cheaper. They're not selling them cheaper, even though their costs come down. Um, so a little bit of a victory lap yesterday. And that, I'll be honest with you, as a shareholder of Apple, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more nervous. And I'll tell you why. Because um, they're building this huge, huge um, plant, a solar energy farm, $850 million. They're going to partner solar to build an $850 million solar energy farm in California. I think it's going to be down by Monterey. First solar share spiked on the news and closed the day at 5% higher, while Apple ended about 2% higher yesterday. Um, the solar farm is going to be in Monterey County. It's going to provide enough energy to power nearly 60,000 homes. The California farm would become Apple's fourth, as the company already has one in North Carolina and one in Nevada, or two in North Carolina and one in Nevada. So um, Apple's data centers are run on renewable energy. So that's a lot of money. And then if you look, take a look at their new office building, it's breathtaking. If you want to have fun, um, YouTube, uh, Apple's Cupertino's new office, and put the word drone in there, and watch a drone fly over it, it's gorgeous. It's not yet done, but watching it being built is pretty, pretty awesome. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW. Tim Cook's really putting a lot into the whole Apple Watch. 
That was uh, one of the things that Goldman Sachs conference got out yesterday. Uh, when asked about the device at Goldman Sachs, he implied that the Apple Watch will be the first smartwatch consumers really care about. Basically taking a shot pretty hardcore at Samsung, right? And I get that. He likened the watch to the iPod and the iPad, saying that all the tablets and MP3 players existed beforehand. They just weren't easy to use. Um, so that's coming. It's going to be March or April, somewhere late March, early April that we're expecting it. Um, so you're going to start hearing more and more about it and what it can and can't do. At one point in time, it was rumored to have so many sensors in it that it would be able to monitor your heart rate and your blood flow and maybe even do things like predicting heart attacks um, because they're hiring a lot of people who are really smart in fields like that. Let's go to Dan in South San Francisco. Hey, Rob. Hey, how are you? Good. I had a question about uh, One Oak, OKE, because I owned that for a while. It spun off its gas company, OGS, and then there's also a partnership, OKF, that are all interrelated, and they're all doing different stuff as uh, oil went down. I was curious. I thought it was a good opportunity to get an idea of kind of the differences. Um, I don't know all the differences. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about One Oak. Uh, thanks for the call. Um, everyone has an opinion about the price of oil and gas right now. Um, you're hearing Saudi say, one Saudi, Prince Allah will lead Bin Talal, say oil's never going to $100 again, $100 a barrel. One Saudi minister saying it's going to 200 Okay. So we have it kind of all over the board. One oak is okay with its single-minded pursuit of profits from natural gas. It's 41% One Oak Partners, operates 18,300 miles of gas-gathering pipelines. Now, think about it this way. A pipeline is like a toll road. Um, gas doesn't go left or right unless someone pays money to send that gas around. It's also got gas processing plants and storage facilities. It's natural gas liquids. One Oaks Energy Services uh, forecasts natural gas going across the... So they got gas. they got a pretty big uh, network. Um, to focus on its core pipeline business, it spun off its regulated utilities, Oklahoma Natural Gas and Kansas Gas and Texas, Texas Gas Service. So that spinoff is a utility. And um, so they're focusing in on the pipeline business. The pipeline business is not immune to the price of oil and gas, but then again, we still need natural gas shipped all around the country, so it's not going to, you know, how shall we say, it's not going to go away. The company has a 5.2% dividend yield, because it's a pipeline. Um, they just increased their dividend rate, so they're feeling okay with their cash flow. Um, some people think that it's going to have to be acquired. Uh, One Oak is trying to hold long-term support, and you know the bulls are they they you know, jumping in at this point in time. A lot of long calls on it. Contracts traded in each strike. Um, there's you know a lot of open interest, so people are trying to put money into work and thinking that this is the area where it, it, it rallies because they have protected their dividend and said that it's we're upping it. Um, 
you have to be careful right now because I think that no one really knows where the commodities complex is going in the next three months. Uh, oil, it's expected it could still drop another 25 to 30% from where it currently is. So that would be probably not good for a scenario like this. Uh, taking a look at what you know, analysts are saying on it, um, it's getting favorable mention. Um, it is energy power related, and energy power related has had just an awful three to four months. Which, if you were to say, and I was looking to get into it, I'd be like, okay, at least some of the risk is out. But you're already in it, and I don't know if you paid higher or lower for it. I'm assuming higher. Um, but it is a tough company to, to analyze because they did do just break off that utility side of it so they could focus on the pipeline side of it. Um, let's see. Hmm. They did report November, December, January, February. Yeah, there's just not, there's not a lot of information on this one, to be quite honest, as far as filings go. It's kind of a boring business. You're moving off from one side of the country to the other side. They announced it's 2015 cash flow available for dividends is expected to be in the range of 580, 600 million. Um, it's a large cap company. Uh, Morgan Stanley has an equal weight on it. So it should be part of your energy portfolio. But uh, they're not expecting big things because oil's not oil and natural gas aren't expected to surge from these levels. Um, you don't see it, but other countries are really struggling at this point in time. Um, other countries. I, didn't, I hope I didn't say companies. Um, I'm trying to find as much information on this as I can, and there's just nothing else that I got there for you. Uh, but if you're buying it for the dividend, the dividend looks safe for now, and you're hoping that you know oil and natural gas get more normalized in two to three years before that dividend would have to be cut. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Take a break here. We'll be back. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Ranger riding through an open space. In my mind when she's not right there beside me. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black. 
on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A bailout architect is pressing General Motors. The veteran of the 2009 government rescue is seeking a seat on the carmaker's board, and he wants buybacks. Activist investors, when they get on a company and they start pressing them, it's typically because they see some sort of value. Um, does it always turn out that way? No. Other headlines out there today, Obama criticized Staples for reportedly threatening to fire employees if they work more than 25 hours. Apple has the highest market cap in the world right now. And they're going to build a $850 million solar energy farm in California. With Powerball hitting $485 million tonight, America will lose their mind, drop two bucks on a ticket, and hope. Many people will be disappointed, to say the least. Elon Musk is threatening and firing some of his China sales managers after a disappointing quarter. Um, just selling 120 cars last month, well below the aggressive targets. Uh, he thinks that Tesla could get to U.S. levels by 2015. It's not looking like it in my eyes. Um, John Stewart, he's leaving the uh, Icom. He's leaving the Daily Show. Icom publicly traded. Uh, 16 years, makes $20 million. Just a lot of competition now. Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. Um, Colbert is going to be starting up a show. Um, there's just a lot of competition out there right now. And as you're seeing with Dave Letterman and with Jay Leno, ratings start to go down for the old people. And it's the late night talk show is a, a young man's game. Bring in CFP Chad Burton. CFP, Chad Burton, New Focus Financial, newfocusfinancial.com. If you want to drop him an email so that we read it on the air, chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk retirement portfolio construction. As a child, I loved construction, building things up, tearing them down. What do we need to know about our portfolio construction in our golden years? Uh, well, you, you really have to start dealing with the retirement portfolio construction about 10 years in advance. Okay. Because what you don't want to have to do is say, oh, I'm retired. I'm now going to shift out of stock, sell all my stocks, and go bonds and cash. And by the way, it's 2009 or it's 2001. So really what it becomes is try to accumulate all the equities in the beginning and dollar cost average into that. Be aggressive in your 20s, 30s, and even 40s. And then that way you can slowly accumulate the bonds and the, the, the cash side of the portfolio later on so your stocks sit there and continue to reinvest the dividends, compound, and accumulate. So then you end up with three years' worth of expenses and safe money, and then the rest in a nice balanced portfolio. So that's kind of the one of the main pillars of, of what the, the start is. Because if you have that expenses in cash, the three years' worth of portfolio draws in cash, you can weather a bad market even if you start your retirement in a bad market. You're going to be okay. If we were having some day beverages... Do a little day drinking. Could I get you to say no bonds for portfolio under fifty and just accumulate these later? Well, yeah, especially on a you know uh, period of rising interest rates. Yeah. However, there's some attractive areas of high yield and emerging market debt that you know have a nice six seven percent return. And really, we need to see revenue growth out of companies. Otherwise, we we won't get that grand rotation from bonds to stocks. We need to see revenue growth, not we, just central bank involvement. And we need to see it soon. Because there's so many good things happening, monetary policy, economic policy, yep. 
and we're not getting that revenue growth yet. And if we don't get it soon, there's an economist that I was recently reading that said we'll never get it. Well, that's why you, you get these people that are out there saying don't buy bonds at all, but you, you still don't have just the, the pure revenue growth. We've got the bottom line growth that says exit those areas and create that grand rotation. And it's a global world, so you also have to have you know about 20% of your bond portfolio in international bonds as well. So there's always opportunities out there somewhere. Now, international bonds are different than emerging market bonds, right? Not necessarily. You want a good, flexible global manager. Okay. Um, that can do some emerging market debt. You know, there's there's emerging markets that have better balance sheets than we do. They don't have all the debt that the U.S. does. But there's currency issues you have to deal with. So the manager has to be good with bonds and with currencies and be able to hedge that. Okay, I think I'm on to all this. What else do we need to know as far as portfolio construction? And maybe some deconstruction. When do you start selling some... If it's like overpriced, not overpriced, but if it's had a big move, do you deconstruct your retirement portfolio and and construct some of the, the unpopular areas? Well, yeah, I mean the, the easiest way to do it is you have your cash, you've calculated very carefully your your annual portfolio draw. At the end of each quarter, you know you're spending your cash, and at the end of each quarter, if you have a positive quarter, if you've spent twenty thousand dollars of cash and you got forty thousand dollars of gains in your portfolio, sell twenty of that gains. Yes, that means you pay taxes replenish the cash. Pull the winnings off the table. It's as simple as that. It's it's really a, a monitoring situation. Um, if you have a negative market quarter, you just rebalance inside the portfolio. The income that we get from Social Security, and again, you and I have this argument that it may not even be available to you and I, but let's say mom's getting $20,000 a year of income. Do we look at that as like $400,000 of no. securities? No, a lot of people ask that, or they say, is my pension make up for my bond allocation? Okay. It really doesn't. The way the calculation works is that, let's say you calculate your taxes, healthcare costs, and everything else, and that number is you know, 150000 and you're getting 30 from Social Security and 20 from a pension. That means you've, of your 150000 50000 is covered by, by guaranteed income sources. Any chance? So there's 100000 left over that you're going to have to draw from your portfolio. So you need three years worth of that. So pension, Social Security, dependable rental income reduces the amount of cash you should have on hand. It doesn't reduce the amount of bonds necessarily. Any chance you and I get to retirement in 10, 20, 30, 40 years and everything you said is just crap and you have to change it? Well, we've had to change things anyways because the 4% draw rate rules were created in the 90s when bonds were paying 6%. So we've had to go into bond alternatives. Um, and and other assets to help maintain, because the only way you get more than that is you take more risk. Well, if you're taking more risk, you need to have a backup guarantee um, that says, well, if things fall apart, you're still going to get income from the age of 80 on. So you have to look at bond alternatives today to to maintain the the same four to five percent draw rate that people could start when they were in their in the 1990s. Anything at your website that you want to plug? Anything you want to push? Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the construction and, and even the deconstruction, the rebalancing process, you can watch a webinar at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. It's Chad Burton. You can email him, chad, at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. So this whole Apple solar thing, it's really a big deal. Apple CEO Tim Cook responded to a climate change, climate change heckler at the annual shareholder meeting with an impassioned rebuttal, which he famously told investors who care only about profits to get out of the stock. Um, that kind of scares you a little bit. This is an $850 million agreement to buy power from First Solar. It's a 25-year deal. 
it's going to cover roughly 60,000 California homes, 130 megawatts. Um, footprint is about 2,900 acres. This project will start at the beginning, middle of this year, and probably finish by the end of next year. Um, what's interesting to note about that is it needs to be finished by the end of 2016 to take advantage of a 30% U.S. tax credit. Um, Apple's not stupid. So, and we know global warming exists on some level, climate change. So going after solar, which is dropping in price aggressively, um, a smart initiative. Uh, the people who like Apple products will like this story. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. One of the stories today out there that I don't like looking at. Gunman kills three Muslims near University of North Carolina. A gunman shot dead three Muslim students near the University of North Carolina. Enraging Muslim activist who demanded U.S. state and federal authorities investigate the suspect for possible hate crimes. Um, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into the heart of the issue. I'm going to get into the tragedy. Three young people are dead. Sometimes, in this case, it was a husband and a wife and a sister. Um, it's something you can't really prepare for in life. Uh, tragedies like this. As a guy who talks about financial issues, I have to talk about disasters and, and horrible things. The Super Bowl ad about you know, the kid who is going to miss his whole life because of an accident. And then it's like, hey, get insurance on accidental death of children. I found that to be vulgar because it's type of insurance that we don't really need. Um, wow, your kid dies. You get $2 million. The tragedy is your kid dies. And that'll never, ever make any sense. A parent should logistically never have to bury a child. With that out there, it happens, of course. We know that. Um, but you ensure what you can't afford to lose. And losing a child is, would be devastating, and it would take years to recover, if ever. I don't think that makes a lot of sense to a lot of people. You insure a car, because there is a good chance you'll get into a car accident. They insure enough people so that the insurance company makes the mathematics work for them. And if you do tend to have fender benders, they tend to jack up your rates. Because you're no longer part of the pack, you're part of a problem. When I get into a fender bender, I decide very quickly if I want it to report this or not. I don't want my rates to go up. So I have to have as clean of a record as possible. 
Um, insurance is one of those odd areas where you have to you know, be very uh, adept at moving around. So for a government to shoot three Muslim students near University of North Carolina, I see the tragedy of, I hope there weren't kids. I hope none of them had children yet. Uh, because then there's that financial disaster of losing your parent who earns income from age 20 to 60. And these were all very young people. 19, 21, and 23. Uh, always try to get the perspective on your financial issues. It doesn't take a lot to pull it off, but I think it'll it'll pay off if you're intelligent about it. President Barack Obama has asked Congress to authorize war against the Islamic State. Uh, President Barack Obama formally asked Congress to authorize military action, saying the extremist group has committed despicable acts of violence and would threaten the U.S. if not confronted. Three-page resolution sent by the White House to Congress limits the authority to three years and would prohibit enduring offensive ground combat operations. Um, it's going to be expensive. But the president wants to have all tools available. And we're going to hear more about this tonight. Uh, Don Stewart still is working, so uh, Obama said that if I left unchecked the Islamic State will pose a threat beyond the Middle East, including the United States homeland. Um, these wars are pricey, uh, especially in the air. So McDonnell Douglas, it's a war stock. Uh, I think it could be considered for a portfolio. Boeing, it's an air and commercial stock, but they, they do a lot of missiles. So is that crazy that you could invest in missiles? I mean, I just, I don't know. So taking a look at the market headlines today, uh, Greek debt is still being discussed in Europe, in Brussels. Apple's hitting an all-time high again. Facebook's moving higher. Uh, Apple said some pretty interesting things yesterday. They talked about the law of big numbers, Tim Cook, and uh, it says it doesn't apply to us. <laughs> Those are almost famous last words. Uh, when you have a market cap that's $710 billion, uh, you have to really come up with a new product on a regular basis. They just have the, one of the greatest quarters ever, $17 billion in profit. So if you do the math there, let's just call it $20 billion in profit. And let's say they do it all four quarters, which they don't because that was Christmas. So let's cut it from $20 billion to, instead of saying $80 billion for the year in profits, let's say $50 billion. Um, and then you see $710 billion market cap. You could see that it's trading at you know, PE, the price of the stock versus the earnings. Uh, about 14 times. And, but that's if they continue to execute beautifully and perfectly, that they could get that market cap in about 14 years. Can they continue to grow their business? 
There's a lot of China. There is a lot of China. And they also hinted at India. India, <clears throat> I don't know definitively if India's population wants a $600 phone. China's does. It's a very big luxury market. Um, so we'll see. And again, the watch is going to be a big product for them this year. At some point in time, they're going to have to do a TV because people want an iPhone that's as big as a TV. <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll make phone calls. Maybe it won't. Uh, people want it. People want, people get. You get the idea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Coming up, I'm going to be speaking with Briefing.com, Dr. Jeff Rosen, economist with Briefing.com. So we'll be running over some of the top economic stories. And again, big day for the jobs market to this this month. Uh, We've had a pretty nice move, a little nice move in wages. So people think the Federal Reserve will change monetary policy based on jobs. So we'll talk a little bit about that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefy.com. He's the chief economist. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well today. Uh, A lot of content out there for me. Uh, Makes my job a little bit easier. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm not seeing a lot of economic content today. Yeah, I thought to say, I think along. that it's, uh, you, got, you may be busy, and I'm actually uh, in a pretty slow period right now. Why is that? It's just scheduling quirks, and right now, okay. the only uh, release this week that is of importance is tomorrow's retail sales report. So, you know, you get a bunch of data that doesn't have much meaning in between then, so you just kind of look forward to the big day, which is tomorrow. What is the um, retail sales data comprised of? Because I hear the statistics and like, hey, retail sales were up, but is that Walmart? Is it Target? Is are there enough players to have a good index there? Yeah, I mean, it's basically where all consumption is done. I mean, it's you could basically predict what the goods component of consumption is from the retail sales report. There's very little services that go in there. Um, restaurants is technically a service, so that falls in there. But, uh, you know, other than that, it, it's basically where everybody shops. You know, the, the Census Bureau takes a survey of, you know, several thousand different retailers and 
they put in what their monthly sales figures are, send them off to the Census Bureau. They statistically uh, manipulate them to get rid of seasonal problems and to accommodate for the fact that, you know, it's not a complete survey of every retail uh, um, place. And, you know, they come up with the retail sales number. So what are we expecting from the retail sales number? Well, that's what's interesting. If you look at our consensus, and our consensus comprised of uh, a little over 30 economists this week, uh, we're decidedly negative. I mean, it, they're looking at, I want to say, negative 0.4% on the headline, uh, minus 04 as well on uh, X autos. And what's really odd is that we supposedly had a great employment number that came out last week. So why are we seeing, you know, a strong increase in aggregate earnings and yet a decidedly negative uh, retail sales number? And, you know, if you look at what reports are coming in, you know, basically economic analysis or predictions on what's going on, they're saying that, well, autos was a negative because you had a, a, mine, a modest decrease in the unit sales. So that's going to weigh down headline. But they're also going back and saying, look, uh, oil prices are down, suspending so of gasoline stations are going to be down. So you factor that in, and that's two big negatives, and you're going to have a negative number in retail sales. And my counter argument is that if the oil prices are going down, and that's supposedly a good thing, you know, because you could spend it on other goods, then why aren't they spending it on other goods? Why wouldn't you expect, you know, sales to pick up at, let's say, Target? because you have more money in your pocket as opposed to, you know, spending it at the mobile station. So it was really interesting is that, you know, out of the 30-some economists in our forecast, you know, excluding autos, way, way out the, uh, the big negative from, uh, you know, unit sales down, you know, you're not seeing a move into other areas. You know, I think there was only a handful, maybe five economists, including us, that are predicting, you know, ex-auto retail sales to be positive. So basically that's telling us, you know, if the consensus is right, you know, that we're going to have a negative number tomorrow, uh, ex-autos, that this drop in gasoline prices really hasn't helped the consumer in the ways that we would expect. It hasn't helped push the economy forward. We're only seeing, a, you know, a modest gain in, in the real economy, you know, when you strip out inflation, and you're not seeing the, the big boost that we would have expected, and, and that's quite disappointing. We keep hearing that the United States is going to benefit the most from low oil, and you're kind of telling me that we're not seeing it. Uh, is there a flaw? What are we missing here? Are we just well, are we saving more? You know, which I'm, is I'm a hoping thing. that the consensus is wrong. I mean, I'm hoping okay. that what we're going to see tomorrow, you know, and my forecast is calling for an upside surprise, and I'm, you know, really expecting an upside surprise. I'll be very disappointed if the consensus is correct, because that really means that. You know, maybe consumers are more indebted than we than you know I anticipated. You know, maybe the increase in um, you know basically the, the extra money that people are being able to have in their pockets, they're using to pay down more credit card debt, and we're not going to find that out for another few months when we see how the credit card numbers look like in the uh, full funds data. But you know, right now, all you know, I would have expected to see a big boost in consumption. You know. Uh, it looked like over the last few years, according to the liability statements on the household balance sheets, 
that things have gotten better, that, that the, you know, you've been paying down your debt, your assets have been increasing in value, you've had a, a good stock market, you've had you know, better housing prices, so you should be able to hold on to what the current liabilities are, which are current credit cards should be very, very manageable, which means that you would be spending this you know, windfall, so to speak. But if we have a negative number tomorrow, that's telling me that you know, households are not in as good of a shape as we expected, and that they're using this money purely to reduce credit cards and, and keep their savings high. Are you doing any work, Dr. Jeff Rosen, on Greece and the impact of potentially leaving the European Union or not leaving the European Union? Because that seems to push the stock market on a couple days. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's more of an impact on the stock market because there's fear and contagion. There's less of an impact on U.S. production and U.S. uh, economic growth. So as an economist, you know, it's interesting. I want to see how the euro handles this. Uh, There's going to be a lot of you know, costs associated with uh, external debt outside of, uh, outside of Greece if it becomes known that it's possible that uh, a country could leave the euro. You, know, you may have a, a strong run in U.S. treasuries because of it, because of fear. But, uh, you know, right now I, I don't see too much contagion. I'm not too concerned about a Greek exit from the euro causing a massive calamity in, in Europe overall, which would have an impact in the United States. I think that countries that are doing business in Germany, let's say, or France and Italy, you know, you may see some kind of, uh, you know, contagion, some sort of reverberation between that. But here in the U.S., I think we're pretty inoculated from that. Sounds good. Is there anything else that you're working on or anything else that you're paying attention to that should come out on our radar? Well, I mean, if you look at the employment report on Friday, we had a really strong report in terms of the actual number, but the wages were not as strong as I would have thought. The headline looked like it was was masking some great increases in minimum wage. Uh, There were about 20 states, I believe, that increased their minimum wage in January, and that's going to flow into that number. So I want to see if... um, you know, how that plays out in terms of we're seeing a little bit of an increase in Treasury rates, 10 years approaching 2%. Uh, you know, two weeks ago we were at you know, 1.7, and it looks like we were going to drop down to 1.5. So I want to see how the market handles the possibility of, uh, you know, a raise increase, rate increase sooner than later, and what happens if next month wage growth deteriorates, you know, can, significantly because most of the gain in, in January was the result of a minimum a one time spike in minimum wage and not actual, you know, solid growth in wages overall. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen. You can find him at briefing.com. He's the chief economist for briefing.com. Very trusted source of information by me on what's happening on Wall Street, what's happening in the economy, Main Street, and they have just a plethora of other columnists and ideas there. Um, so you can check that out. John Stewart leaving The Daily Show. Uh, what's the stock angle? Everything has a stock angle, right? In my opinion. Um, 
John Stewart was a must-buy for advertisers in the Viacom cable network portfolio because people actually watched it live. So this adds risk to both subscriber losses and advertising. Remember, advertising is already declining in single digits. Um, Comedy Central doesn't have an obvious replacement at this point in time for Stewart um, as some of the obvious ones have left. Last year, they lost Stephen Colbert and as well as John Oliver. Um, and then they've had other you know, spinoffs in the years past as well. Um, so the decline at this point in time you know, comes at a time when both MTV and Comedy Central have seen a drop in overall demographics, uh, about 10%. Stewart's ratings have declined a bit this year, thanks to new competition from The Tonight Show. Uh, Stewart's viewers is still the most valuable demographic advertisers want, 18 to 30 year old group of watchers is still larger than NBC's Fallon's Tonight Show, but Fallon's Tonight Show is gaining on it. Um, fake news has proven itself a profitable format for Comedy Central, as well as an important strategic tool for Viacom given how much talent has been on and moved on from The Daily Show. Viacom, or Comedy Central, just generates less than 10% of Viacom's annual revenue. But this is a big one, because this was a top show, a top dog. So, we'll see. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can find briefing at briefing.com. We've got a wonderful app as well. Let's take a break here. We'll be back. I'm Rob Black. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I ask you to kind of step up to the plate and listen, and I try to give you some great ideas on how to get to retirement. Yesterday it was announced that Spider-Man is going to be in an upcoming Avengers movie, which kind of crosses universes. Sony, basically on Spider-Man, Sony's making a relationship with Disney. Whoa. Um, interesting. But next year's going to be a huge year for Disney. They've got the reboot of the Star Wars franchise. And they have at least two, maybe three, super blockbuster um, superhero movies coming out. Uh, it's going to be a big year. And uh, I like Disney as a stock. Um, I think everyone who listens to the show... I kind of put my cards on the table on a pretty regular basis. Um, I like Starbucks, I like Pepsi, uh, Disney, Nike, you know. They're all great long-term names to accumulate. Um, I own shares of Apple. I think Facebook continues to rock uh, our socks, so to speak. So I think it's a lot easier for the average person to own 
couple of those kind of names than it is for the individual to go out and own uh, a pipeline company or something that might get affected by the price of oil or affected by the price of interest rates, the cost of money. Um, and I know that a lot of people don't stop and like think, but that's okay. Um, I get it. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The Microsoft, not, not the Microsoft, excuse me. The Apple deal of going after electricity, a big old solar farm. One of the interesting things about this is it's going to put Apple right in the middle of the climate change debate. Um, they want to basically um, have all their stores and all their loca office locations and their, their power supplies and data centers all powered by solar. And is it going to be profitable? It will be profitable for Apple. Uh, the agreement positions the biggest. They've got two 20 megawatt plants and a third under development in North Carolina. They've got uh, development in Reno. Um, all of their data centers are now powered by renewables. So the sun is the future. The cost of solar has been declining quicker than that of wind. It's expected that by 2050, solar could be the world's biggest single source of electricity. Um, it's interesting that Google's in on this. They signed a 400 megawatt power purchase deal in wind, bringing their total commitment to one gigabyte, gigawatt. Microsoft has done something similar. They've entered into deals for 285 megawatts of wind. Amazon, just last month, Amazon jumped in, signed in a 150 megawatt wind agreement. Ikea's in it. They want to be 100% renewable by 2020. Walmart is starting to put panels on top of their big box stores with more than 100 megawatts of capacity installed. So it's nice to see. Um, it's a good conversation piece, too. And I think, I wish we'd have a, a stronger debate in the United States, but that may just not be fair. So Whole Foods is one of those companies that you kind of love, you kind of hate. Um, it used to be a darling stock along the lines of Tesla and Apple, but then capitalism kind of sets in. Shares of the organic food seller soared more than 1,100% between 2009 and 2013. Investors saw the huge adjusted earnings growth generated by the company in those years, largely due to premium prices that the company is able to charge for goods. Whole Foods earnings jumped to 43% in the 12 months ended in 2010. But the growth rate slowed down to just 5.6% in the 12 months that just ended in 2014. Analysts are starting to see a little bit of profit growth improvement from the company, just not a lot. Um, so analysts aren't in love with it nearly as much as they once were. And that's something that you have to be good with and you have to go, okay, uh, the company is not going to be able to grow like it used to. There's competition now more so than ever. So you have to put evaluation on it. And at 34 times earnings, or 27 times next year's earnings, it's too expensive for me. Uh, if growth is only going to be about 7%, no thank you. So hopefully you have that kind of ability to...
be good with these kind of numbers. Um, SP 500 down fractionally, down, down fractionally, NASDAQ up. NASDAQ's getting powered by both Apple and Facebook today, um, as well as other names, but sometimes these big indexes, as go a couple names, so goes the index. Apple's at 124 today, up two more bucks. Wow. Um, pushing towards 130 very quickly. So it's at 124.28, all-time high right now. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A couple other stories of note today. Um, the Premier League Soccer just signed an $8 billion TV deal, up from the last one, which was $1.5 billion. Sports are out of hand, aren't they? Please say yes. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You're listening to AM 1220 KDO Radio. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.